Hi, everyone. Happy New Year, and welcome to the first episode of Season 2 of Potomac Perspective. We were renewed. I'm Neil Shapiro, Head of Communications at Stiefel, joined by our Chief Washington Policy Strategist, Brian Gardner. Brian, hope you had a great holiday break. It's nice to be back with you, and we were renewed for a second season. Likewise, Neil. Happy New Year. It's great to be back. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it, was, uh, it was great news when we heard that uh, we were being re-upped for, for Season 2. That's right. That's right. Not everybody, not everybody gets a season two. So look to fight take, another day. That's right. We got to take the wins. And even though it's an audio podcast only, I should tell everybody listening that Brian is, because I could see him, he's wearing his Giants cap. So we have to start very quickly with some sports. Congratulations. The Giants are going to the playoffs. Uh, absolutely ecstatic. Uh, very unexpected. Uh, if you had told me before the season, for sure. The Giants would win seven games. I would have said I'd take it. I'd be delighted. That'd be a an, uh, an improvement over the previous year and, and signs that we're heading in the right direction. But um, this exceeded every expectation of every single Giant fan. And whatever happens from here on out is is gravy. Playing with the house's money at this point. I think I think that's right. And I think it's fair to say that the Giants are going to the playoffs. And I think most people, unless you're a diehard Giants fan, probably couldn't name one wide receiver on the team if you asked them. No, no. I mean, and you know, that goes to a point, you know, you know, people pay attention and and talk a lot about the college draft and college scouts. The the pro scouting staff of the Giants deserve a lot of credit. They have yeah. picked up guys throughout the season, uh, include, especially a wide receiver, um, that have really helped this team. This, this roster still has holes in it. Um, there's no doubt about it. Um, but what they've been able to do um, with what they've been given and then kind of supplement that throughout the season is just very, very impressive. And, and the, the, the scouting staff has just done a, a great job. Well, we'll see. We'll see who they get in the first round, likely going to be Minnesota, maybe San Francisco. So we'll see how it goes. But good luck to the Giants. Thank you, Neil. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, uh, better luck next year to the Jets. Yeah. There's well, always next year. I, I, I was going to say, usually when, when you're a Jets and Mets fan, that's typically what you hear. There's always next year. So Although we, um, are, we are still waiting for the Mets to f- formally announce the Correa signing. Yeah, well, we'll see how that goes. Um, but anyway, congratulations. Um, we've got some other excitement in Washington. Um, and not, not the commanders. Not the commanders, right. They've, they, they're out. They're out. Um, they were in for a while. They're out. Um, but the Republicans, I mean, we're starting the new year uh, with what looks like somewhat of a chaotic start for the Republicans. Um, as of this recording, first week in January, we still don't even have a Speaker of the House. That is correct. Um, so going back to November, Republicans flipped the House, but they underperformed expectations and they only gained uh, enough seats to give them a five-seat majority. And so they don't have uh, a lot of uh, wiggle room on the floor. And for those people who don't pay attention to this stuff, the speaker is not just nominated by their party. The speaker is a formal uh, officer of the House and has to be approved by the entire House. So you need a majority. And so with that five seat cushion Republicans have, they haven't had been able to keep their party together and elect a speaker. So Kevin McCarthy is the, no, is the party's nominee, but there have been 19 or 20, depending on the round, 
uh, rebels who have held out. And so we've gone through three rounds. Uh, as we sit here on Wednesday morning, uh, just after 10 o'clock, we're about two hours from the beginning of the next session and round round uh, four, ballot four. Um, and there's no clear path forward. Um, so uh, McCarthy will be up again on on round four. I suspect, you know, he's not going to win on round four. Um, I think it's very unlikely he'll win on round four. Um, but I think also that he'll stick in for another couple of rounds. Uh, um, there's a feeling that neither side can blink at this point. So I don't think they're ready to throw in the towel. Yeah. Um, it's not a good look for Republicans, though. It's, it's not. It's, a good not look it's not. And, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out, whether McCarthy can hang in there and, and peel off some of the, the holdouts whether he eventually has to capitulate and step aside. And then then there is a whole different discussion about who who's next. Uh, I can see a couple of things before we get to some of the the, the financial implications for yep. this. And there are finan- there are market implications from all of this. Um, there's a lot of talk from time to time about some kind of compromise speaker, bipartisan compromise. Um, that was actually done yesterday in the Pennsylvania uh, legislature. Um, Democrats have the majority there. They couldn't agree on a on a speaker for their state house, and so um, there is a compromise ca- uh, uh, in in Pennsylvania. That's not going to work in Washington. Um, for all the talk about this happening in Congress, that is that is the fantasy of Hollywood producers. It's the the chatter in dorm rooms among poli sci majors around the country and and political nerds like myself. But that's not going to happen here. Um, that that that's just not reality. Um, at some point, uh, Republicans will figure it out. Um, but the idea of the two parties um, kind of collaborating and some and coming up with some unity or compromise candidate in Washington, I mean, I, I put the odds of that happening of under five percent. We're in the one to two percent range. Um, you know. So- it- in this day and age, Brian, it seems incredible to me that this was not figured out before the votes were happening. I mean, th- this is unprecedented, right? This this hasn't happened well, in a hundred so years. Yes, so it's been a hundred years since this has happened. Uh, and you last... remember when it happened a hundred years ago? You were there. You, know, uh, yeah, you didn't I mean, have a podcast. Were, yeah, there was, it was you know the Roaring Twenties. There were good times. Yeah, um, you didn't have the podcast, but you were still there. I was there. Um, so uh yeah so 1923 um they went to multiple ballots um but to your point to your question of of why this wasn't figured out ahead of time it's a process um and it's a negotiating process and and the, the I think the problem it's not the right word the challenge for Kevin McCarthy um and in dealing with the holdouts is that once he gives in on one item, they're going to want more. This is a group that, as uh, as a general matter, has a tough time of getting to yes. So what can he give them to get? And this this is how this is the, the, the ultimate question of how he wins the speakership. Um, if he gives in on one item and he has given in on some they'll come back asking for more. So you ask, you know, why wasn't this figured out? It's because, in my view, one party um, to these negotiations, the holdouts, um, they don't, they really don't want McCarthy as speaker and they're never going to to give in. Uh, at least a group of them will never give in on the con- uh, to the concessions that McCarthy is offering. Yeah. 
It reminds me of a series, uh, I, I remember binge watching it in the early days of COVID, House of Cards. And Kevin Spacey's character, he starts out as I think he was the whip. Yep. And what he was very good at was making sure there was never a, a vote, his character, that there was never a vote on the floor unless he knew exactly the way the vote was going to go. And the one thing that his character couldn't st- take was surprise votes. Right. Well, I, I don't think any of this is a big surprise yet. I yeah. mean, it's um, it, it really is a game of chicken. It's a stare down. Um, and there's there's no easy way of getting around it. So, you know, we're going to go through a couple of rounds again today. And either McCarthy will gain a handful of votes and show that he has some momentum and that will em- enable him to stay in and keep fighting. Or he's going to start to bleed, either hold serve, not lose, not gain anything, or even bleed another vote or two or three, at which point I think some of his supporters, not all of them, just a handful, will will start to talk to him about other options. There, There is a core among McCarthy voters who are only McCarthy voters. They will not vote for anybody else. Mm-hmm. So ha- th- this could play out for several days. So let, let's take that and switch over to the, the market. Yeah. I was just going to say you alluded to it. And obviously there haven't we haven't really seen anything yet. But to your point, this could be the beginning of a process that drags on. So what what do you think? So the, um, in, in the summer and in the fall, we're going to get to some must do um, legislation. Uh, there's the debt ceiling. Yep. Budget. And then there's government funding. We just passed the government funding bill for this year, but next year's bill is on the horizon. So let me start with the debt ceiling. Um, by law, the the, the uh, uh, Congress is uh, limited in how much it can borrow at any given time. And, and when it reaches that limit, it has to pass a law raising that threshold. And that regularly happens sometimes with um, drama, sometimes not. Uh, this will be a drama-filled episode. So probably going to reach the debt limit sometime in the first quarter. And this, this is according to an estimate from the Bipartisan Policy Center, which is a, a DC think tank. They track um, these things. Others do too, but I'll just cite BPC. Um, so the, the debt ceiling will be re- reached probably in the first quarter. Treasury has tools at its disposal referred to as extraordinary measures, delaying payments to retire uh, to government retirement funds, that kind of stuff. It's kind of a bit of a shell game that they can manage under the debt ceiling for a couple of months. But at some point, those get exhausted. And that's what is referred to as the X date. The X date is estimated by BPC as sometime in the third quarter. And Republicans think they have leverage to hold out on the debt ceiling and extract concessions on other policy matters. Um, I would suggest that what's going on today is a alarm bell for investors that we are going that we that the possibility of a replay of 2011 yeah. is quite high. Um, and for those who were and the not market in the market, fell, right? The market fell at that point. Big. Um, it was uh, um, in, uh, if I remember it correctly, um, there was a drop from 1350 to about 1100. Um, mm-hmm. So thir- early July, markets, uh, the S&P was at 1350 and it fell to 1100 by the second week of August, at which point 
Um, that's when Speaker Boehner and President Obama reached a an agreement. Um, but you know th- that dysfunction caused a lack of confidence in the market. So not only did it fall to to um, eleven hundred in August, it recovered a little bit, but then broke below eleven hundred when we got into into October. And it really wasn't until after October that the market really uh, started to recover. And it took until February of 2012 for the yeah. market to get back to that 1350 level. So, so I think, and I, I think this could be actually worse than um, than 2011. Um, there, there is growing frustration among some conservatives um, that they've given away the store too many times, and and this just has a feeling that. Um, uh, there's a there's a group that's never going to agree to they like their negotiations from McCarthy they can't get to yes yeah. um, uh, every time that something is conceded to them they make a new demand um, and so mm-hmm. um, investors need to start kind of putting this in their memory bank for the summer this is uh, and um, uh, in the third quarter this is going to reemerge and then on the government funding side. Um, there was a lot of frustration about how the omnibus bill was handled in December. And, you know, th- those are, you know, you, you, depending on your point of view, those, those critiques are, that can be legitimate, but, uh, um, and, and these conservatives want to return to regular order on how spending bills are passed. And that, that's a, that's a very defensible position. Um, I'm not sure how easily that is, at- that goal is attained. And so if they don't get their way or if the spending bills are too, uh, that come out of the house, are too large or too small for uh, Democrats to sign on, or I-, I could see a showdown where there's a government shutdown in October. The fiscal year ends September 30th, so I-, I think we can get into October and have a government shutdown. I'm not predicting it yet. It's just it's um it's something for investors to be mindful yeah. of. So, you know, third quarter is the X date. Third quarter is also the beginning of a possible shutdown. The fall of uh, of this year is it, it could be very uh, chaotic, uh, dysfunctional, and vol- politically, and then volatile for the markets, and and kind of ex- it's probably expressing itself in a bit of a risk off trade, where there's a a flight to quality, um, uh, uh, a rally in the bond market, and a, a sell off in equities. And I mean, if you're looking at the timing that you suggest, we're talking the you know mid to end of this year. I mean, uh, the 2024 elections are going to be coming up really close. So this will be happening at a time when that that'll ratchet up. Yeah. And I, I um, and for those this kind of goes back politically, at least um, to the point I was making about the fantasy of some kind of compromise candidate um, emerging. Um, all this dysfunction is great for Democrats. Right. It's great for the president. Sure. Um I, I, I would say, even though he was inaugurated yesterday for a, another term in Florida, I can't believe Ron DeSantis is all that happy about this mm-hmm. because it makes the Republican Party look bad. It makes yeah. the Republican Party look like it's incapable of governing. And so this plays into uh, what will be a narrative uh, from Democrats. And I, I think this this narrative hurt Republicans uh, in the past midterm election. You know that they're just not able to govern. Um, uh, election denying, um, January six kind of stuff. This is a different flavor of that, um, but it's similar. And so, 
for Republicans who are starting to look to 24, they certainly don't want to see this, but Democrats are just enjoying every minute of it um, uh, to see kind of Republicans twist in the wind. So maybe, Brian, in the couple of minutes that we have left, given everything that you've said, I guess two questions. One is, are there any issues that you think Congress could take action on in, you know, with this backdrop of of chaos going on, uh, anything we should be looking out for? And then B, if the action isn't in, in Congress, what about from a regulatory point of view? Um, we have talked before about how the regulators may be the ones that we, you know, that that yield the real power uh, going forward. What do you think of that? So on, on what can happen in Congress, despite all of this, I, I do think that there will be a few instances where Congress can, can um, reach agreement on, on issues. That's not to say that I'm predicting that they will. I think it's a possibility um, and it should not be overlooked. Uh, cryptocurrency legislation with the, the failure of FTX and the other events in the digital asset space over the last six to nine months, um, there's been increased interest by key members of the House and Senate. Um, that's only intensifying. Um, that's not to say that both sides agree on what should be done, but there there is a growing interest on doing a digital asset bill of, of some sort. Um, you know, social media technology um, and, and some overlaps with antitrust, um, that continues to, um, to get some attention. Um, there will be continued bipartisan work on China, um, which kind of flips over into the, the regulatory uh, discussion. Um, the administration is continuing to review uh, the the 2018 tariffs that the Trump administration placed on Chinese imports. And for those of you who are not aware of this, that's a legally mandated review, uh, a tariff under the act, under the law that, the, that President Trump used, those tariffs expire automatically after four years unless they're renewed. And the administration's going through that review. Um, and I suspect that most of those tariffs are going to be renewed. renewed. That, so that that's something to watch. The China issue is something to watch. Um, but getting back to technology, social media, uh, I, I do think there's going to be certainly from the House side, uh, Republicans, once they finish what the the opening session and, and get on to legislation, they're going to be looking at Section 230, the Communications Decency Act. Democrats are going to want to look at it from a different angle about how platforms are monitoring um, and whether they're allowing disinformation. Uh, and then, you know, the, the, the antitrust, the tech related antitrust bill that, that, that didn't pass in 2022, that's going to come back, I, I think, in some way, shape or form. Um, so definitely something to look out for. And then broadly, uh, well, uh, regulatory wise, I should say on antitrust, the, the, the Department of Justice is probably going to, uh, release new guidelines on antitrust <laughs> rules. The banking regulators may be looking at their bank merger rules, not from an antitrust uh, perspective uh, uh, exactly, but uh, other rules that the banking regulators have over banking mergers. So there's going to be a lot of uh, activity uh, at the regulatory level. And I know you'll keep track of it, and I'm sure we'll talk about it uh, in future episodes, but I think... That's the, all the time we have for now. So, Brian, thanks so much. Episode one, season two in the books. Thank you, Neil. Happy New Year to you and Happy New Year to all of our, our listeners.
Same to you, Brian. Same sentiments from me to everyone listening. Um, don't forget, you could download, subscribe to our podcast and all your favorite podcast platforms, and we'll see everybody next time.